Hi, this is Lindsay, one of the co-hosts of Beauties and Headcanons. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. This is Madeline, host of Crowned and Dangerous here on Public House Media. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. Once you are done with this episode, I hope you'll come back to check out my show, Crowned and Dangerous, where Jessica and I talk about our time in the pageant world. A new show comes out bi-weekly on Thursdays. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode of Crowned and Dangerous. Thanks again for checking out the following broadcast on Public House Media. Jenna Burt. I am a military spouse of almost 10 years, a health and fitness enthusiast, and a mom to a beautiful, amazing daughter. So today's podcast, I want to talk about what I like to call the phases of a military spouse. And I truly feel that most, if not all military spouses will be able to relate to this podcast on some level. And even if you're not a military spouse, Maybe your husband's law enforcement or an engineer or anything that requires a lot of time from your spouse, I feel like you'll be able to relate to it too. So with that being said, let's talk about the first phase, which I like to call the excitement phase. So when I was um, a new military spouse, I was excited. I was fired up about it. It was a new adventure. It was a new journey. It was exciting. It was something I had never done before. And overall, I was just like, yes, this is this is great. This is going to be the best thing ever. I also had this sense of proudness, though. You know, I was proud of my husband for serving in the military, for doing what he does. And a lot of new military spouses, I feel like, have that same sense of proudness. And we do the typical newly married military spouse thing. And we buy all the bumper stickers and buy all the car decals and buy the shirts that say, you know, proud military spouse or whatever the situation, the coffee cups. I could go on and on and on about the things that we can buy as a new military spouse. And, you know, maybe you are friends with someone who is what I like to call a veteran spouse. And they have this kind of gloom outlook on being a military spouse. And, you know, you can't really understand why. Because you're in this excitement phase and you almost have your blinders on to anything else. So you don't understand why these veteran spouses aren't over the moon excited about being a military spouse. And why they've kind of, they kind of scoff at new military spouses who buy all of these things and have this excitement. Um, But that's where I like to go into the second phase, which I call normalcy or monotony. So at this point, things have kind of settled in. You're getting used to your schedule, your spouse's schedule. Um, You kind of have a routine and you almost turn on autopilot at this time. And now you can kind of start to see why such the gloom outlook. Um, You know, your spouse has gone a lot. Maybe you're gone a lot. And you guys are meeting when you're coming and going. You know, maybe you're leaving and your spouse is coming home. Or maybe your spouse is leaving and you're coming home. You know, at this point, you almost feel indifferent about it. You've kind of taken your blinders off and you kind of see why there is such a gloom outlook as a military spouse. 
you can see, you know, why they're not as excited as they were before. That sense of proudness is still there. Um, and I don't think it ever truly goes away, obviously. I mean, they're doing something amazing by serving for our country. But it almost gets put to the back burner. So <laughs> you go on this autopilot or normalcy slash monotony phase for a while. And for us, we move about every three years. So we probably went a solid four or five years before I got to the next phase, which I like to call resentment. Yes, I said it. Resentment. And if you are listening to this podcast and you are a military spouse and you have not had resentment towards your spouse, I would almost guarantee that at some point in their career, if they choose to stay in, in their career, you will have resentment. It's not an easy thing to talk about. Not many people talk about it, and that's exactly why I'm here. I'm here to talk about the hard things, and having resentment towards your spouse is hard, whether they're military or not. Resentment can come in any relationship. You don't have to be just military to have resentment. It happens all the time. But it's not talked about. And it's not talked about because you feel bad for having that resentment, and people look at you differently. Like, how can you possibly resent your husband? Well, let me just tell you why. And maybe the resentment comes from a specific duty station. Maybe it it comes from, you know, the type of duty that he's doing. Or maybe it comes from where you're living. Whatever the case is, I can almost guarantee that at some point during your spouse's military career, there will be resentment. With that being said, I want to tell you guys where my resentment started from. So my husband was on recruiting duty and we got stationed really close to our hometown, which was great. We were excited. You know, I thought, okay, I'll be able to spend time with my friends and it's not going to be that big of a deal. I had heard all of the horror stories about recruiting duty. And let me just tell you, oh my gosh, there's so many. Now, I will also say in that same breath, our experience with recruiting duty was nothing like anybody else's. Um, I feel like we were very blessed on recruiting duty because my husband got to do a lot of awesome things on recruiting duty, but also because I learned not to wait around on him. But recruiting duty is still where my resentment comes from, and here's why. So I found out that I was pregnant, and I went to the doctor. My husband was pretty new to his his recruiting station. And I went to the doctor to have my first ultrasound done. And he couldn't come with me because they wouldn't let him off of work. But to, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty because thinking back now, I'm not sure if they wouldn't let him off work or if he didn't even want to ask to get off work because of the requirements that they, they wanted from him. Either way, he didn't go with me. Being naive as I was, I thought, I'm going to go into this doctor's appointment. I'm going to see this beautiful baby. I'm going to hear this heartbeat. Everything is going to be great. We're going to celebrate. Everything is going to be wonderful. So I go into this appointment. They do the ultrasound. And my doctor looks at me and she says, I'm so sorry, but it's not a viable pregnancy. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, I am almost certain that you have what's called a molar pregnancy, which, by the way, is actually 
kind of ironic because I also work in the dental field. So I was like, what? Um, but she said, you have a molar pregnancy. You are something that we only read about in textbooks. And I think I know how to treat it, but I need to speak to another colleague who specializes in this, um, to make sure that I'm treating you properly. I was stunned, you guys. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to feel. And I sat in that doctor's office room for 35 minutes and cried by myself. And that is where my resentment started because I was so angry at him and the, the people that he worked with that they would not let him come with me that I had to go through that by myself. So I call him and I tell him about what had happened and he still didn't leave work. And that just made my resentment even more. So he gets home that night. We briefly talk about it. I tell him what we're going to have to do. Um, I think this was like a Wednesday. And I go to work. He goes to work just like normal. I explain to my boss what's happening. I think I got a call on Friday saying that um, I needed to have surgery as soon as possible. And she could get me in Monday morning. So I call my mom and I tell my mom what's going on. And because we're close, my mom comes up and we go to the doctor that Monday morning. I'll never forget it. Um, it was a crazy, crazy winter storm. And I didn't even know that she was going to be able to make it to do my surgery. Um, what was a 15 minute drive took us over two hours to get there, but we got there. Everything was okay. Um, she did my surgery and then, you know, I had to start the recovery process. And with a molar pregnancy like that, you have to wait at least a year before you can start trying again. So I had a year to sit there and fester and think about all of the things that I should have done, he should have done, um, how he wasn't there for me, and how he wasn't acknowledging my feelings. All of those things. A year. And we didn't talk about it, you guys. Um, we talked about, you know, the molar pregnancy. We talked about me having the surgery. He stayed with me during recovery. Actually, no, I don't think he did. I think my mom stayed with me during recovery because he had to work. Um, and then that was it. We never talked about it again. Looking back now, we definitely should have talked about it. We probably should have sought, um, professional help, uh, to work through it and get past it. But that resentment just built and built and built. Until eventually, it erupted. And not in a good way. It all finally came out. And both of us actually had quite a bit of resentment towards each other. We were able to seek the help that we needed and talk about it and get through it, thankfully. But there are still times that I have those feelings of resentment when I think about what could have been. So maybe your resentment experience isn't something like mine. Maybe it's something totally different. But like I said, I can almost guarantee that every single military spouse at some point will have some sort of resentment towards their spouse for something or another. And I'm here to tell you, talk about it, you guys. I know everybody thinks that they are alone in this, but that's what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you that you are not alone. Obviously, I've gone through the same thing, and it's something that I still battle with. Um, that I work through. And I am here for you guys. And I am here to tell you, you are not alone. 
And if I'm here, I know that there are so many other people out there, A, that need to hear this, but B, that need to know that they're not alone and that you just need to reach out to them. You also need to talk to your spouse. You can talk to your friends, you can talk to a therapist, a counselor, whatever, all day long. But until you talk to your spouse and really let them know what's going on, they're not going to be able to help you. So recruiting duty ended, which whatever is causing you this resentment eventually will end um, as long as you work through it. So recruiting duty ended. We talked about it. We got through that whole phase. And we've been back into the normalcy slash monotonous phase. And that's only somewhat, though, because what was normal before obviously isn't normal now. And you're always readjusting. And just like everything else in life, it comes in waves. It ebbs and it flows. So, you know, maybe you're going to go back and forth between normalcy And then boom, something will happen and you'll be resentful again. And then whatever's causing that resentment will end and then you'll go back to the normalcy. And then, you know, maybe something else will happen and it will trigger another feeling. And then you'll go back to the normalcy. Especially if your spouse is doing this for life, which is usually 20 years, you are going to have so many ups and downs and ebbs and flows. First of all, that's just the way life in general is. But then being in the military, I feel like it, It just ramps up the intensity so much. I feel like everything is intensified when you're in the military. So you're going to notice these ebbs and flows, these ups and downs, maybe more so than you would if you weren't a military spouse. But just know that whatever causes these feelings, whether it's resentment or these feelings of sadness or anger or whatever it is, just know eventually it's going to end. There is an end in sight. Eventually it will end. Um, but you have to talk about it and you have to be open. So you go through all of these phases and then comes the retirement phase. And we're super close to that, you guys. And I like to call it the, oh crap phase. (laughs) And I say that because you guys think about it. If your spouse has been in for 20, 22, 25 years, That has been 25 years or however long it's been of someone else dictating their life and essentially yours too. You know, think about it. For the last however long they've been in, have you been able to pick where you wanted to live as far as like cities and states? Chances are no. Someone else has been picking that for you. Um, Have you been able to pick your job, your, your husband's or your spouse's job for them? No, someone else is doing that for them. Have you been able to pick when your spouse deploys? Absolutely not. Someone else has been doing that for them. So for the last however many years, someone else has been dictating your life. And then all of a sudden, with the sign of a piece of paper, that's going to come to an end. Holy crap. Now what? think about it. Most people that retire from the military can retire before they are 40 years old, you guys. That's so young. And for the last, like I said, however long, somebody else has been dictating their life. Do this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. Deploy now. Come back now. Somebody else has been dictating it for you. So now what happens? Now, 
both of you are thrown into the quote-unquote real world. Your spouse is going to have a quote-unquote real job with a quote-unquote real boss. This is a job that they can be fired from. Their income is not guaranteed. They're actually, maybe, hopefully, going to have quote-unquote normal hours. Maybe they are actually going to work an 8-to-5 job. Maybe they're going to get to be there for their kids' sports that they missed out on the last however many years. Maybe they get to be there for those parent-teacher conferences. You know, all of these things are finally coming to light. And then you really have to sit down and think about the fact that you're not going to have a guaranteed income like you've been having. And budgeting may become a little bit more important. And now all of a sudden, you have to pick where you're going to spend the rest of your life. Obviously, you can move, but it's going to be on your own dime and not the military's. That's a huge decision, especially if you have kids. And this is something that we, my husband and I, think about all the time. We have a daughter who will be going, probably going into high school whenever he retires. And we are basically going to be determining her high school career. And that's a big responsibility, you guys. And then, you know... Are we going to have all of the help that we have from the military on deciding what's a good neighborhood? What's not a good neighborhood? Where do we even want to move to? Do we want to move back close to our family? Do we want to go somewhere with better opportunities for our daughter, depending on what she's into? You guys, these are all huge, literally life-changing decisions that we are going to have to finally make on our own. And that is scary as hell, okay? scary. Obviously, people do it all the time and they end up okay, but the process and the thought of it scares me. And then comes this fun little thing that you also have to deal with. You also have to deal with living, truly living with your spouse every single day. Think about it, you guys. When your spouse deploys, they're gone seven, eight, nine months at a time. And then when they are home, they're working crazy hours leaving at six, coming home at eight, whatever the situation is, going, you know, away for weeks at a time for trainings. So you don't ever actually have get to live with your spouse every single day. So now your spouse is retired and every single day they're going to be home and you're going to be home. And then eventually is going to come the empty nest phase, you guys. There are so many things that are going to be happening close to the same time that you've never experienced or dealt with before. And honestly, it's terrifying. I'm so excited for retirement because I will finally get to have a house that I can call my own, that I can paint the walls whatever color I want, and I don't have to worry about housing coming in and telling me I owe them $250 to repaint the walls, okay? I'm excited about it, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't scared. So I know other people have gone through this. Other people are going to go through this. And I just really want you guys to understand and know that you're not alone in this process and that it is a process. It's a journey and it's ever changing all the time. Okay. But just know you're not alone I'm here for you guys, and if I'm here, I know so many other people are here. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So I hope that you guys understand and realize that you're not the only one feeling the way that you're feeling. 
And I hope that you guys have an amazing rest of your day and tune in for our next episode. Bye guys.